Um, this morning, <clears throat> we're starting a brand new series called Whatever You Do. And um, sometimes when we do these series, uh, it, it'll feel some, sometimes, depending on the person, depending on kind of your experience, you might feel like, you know, this is good information, maybe for the future. Maybe when I cross that bridge or that thing that I come to, this will be handy when I get there. Or maybe this, this is like, it's interesting, but it's not really something that's connecting to me. I think this series is going to hit every single person uh, who we encounter with, because we all have some kind of experience when it comes to relating to work, right? Whether you've got a good relationship with work or a good idea of work, or whether work is that thing that you have to do, right? <clears throat> and so our goal with this series is really to take a look at the picture or take a look at the question of what does work have to do with my faith? What does work have to do with my faith? And what we'll find is it's not about wearing the Christian t-shirt or the hat or the pin or making sure you drive Jesus fishes on everything at work to make sure you, you know, you're the good Christian at work. It's, a, it's, it's much, much more than that. And even further than that, it's more than your job, okay? So this morning we're going to start by having the conversation about what does it look like to reframe or, or even redefine work? Because work is, it is our job. It's our occupation, it's our careers, but it's much, much more than that. Work is not just the thing you go to and get paid for, right? Work is the stuff you do uh, at home, right? It's, it's laundry, it's, it's, t- it's taking care of kids. I think the worst misnomer in the world is the stay-at-home parent. Like, that's the worst name possible for what that entails. Like, if you are a stay-at-home, okay, I got an amen already, here we go. <laughs> if you've been a stay-at-home mother or father or anything, you know, if it just was, like, I get to stay at home and toss on Netflix and chill, like, that would be awesome. But it is not that. <laughs> it's a lot more, right? There's a lot more when it comes to raising a child. There is work involved. Work's also stuff you do when you're volunteering or when you're taking care of your house or taking care of your responsibilities. Work is much, much more than just what I do for my job, Right? In America, we have, this, we have this weird thing where, like, you are what you do. You know what I mean? Like, what's the first, I was just talking with Dale between services, and he made the point of, like, when you meet somebody new for the first time, what do you say to him? What do you do, right? And so then you associate, oh, that's to this guy, or that's to this girl, that's to this person. You can identify that, and work is much, much more than what we do for a living. In fact, when we look at the, with the word work, it means this. Work is exertion or effort to produce or accomplish something. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of things. It could be a lot of different things. Work is not just what we do for a living. To think of it more simply, work is essentially what we do. Work is what we do. It's the things that we do. It's the things we put energy and effort into to produce or accomplish something. So how do we begin to redefine or reframe our understanding of work? Well, Part of my job here at Journey is, is I get the privilege of working with a lot of the artists we work with to create the different art you'll see on Sunday or online or wherever it might be. I'm not an artist. I'm not good at that kind of thing. I'm, I'm, I'm much better at like working with those people. <clears throat> so what I do is something called art directing, where I kind of help communicate the vision of what we're trying to do or trying to see with this art. Make sense? So you pretend to be the artist. I'll be the art director. So if I were to come to you and say, okay, hey, <clears throat> I need you to create something good. Go. And I walk away, you're like, okay, like, there could be a million different things. Like, do you want a turtle? Do you want a butter? I don't know. What do you want? That's very frustrating, right? Or, or imagine this. You're at work, and your boss comes to you, and he's like, hey, I need you to create this event 
That's going to be great. Go. And that's what they leave you with. Like, that's very, very frustrating. You have no frame. You have no understanding for what they're looking for. That's a very frustrating experience. And so what I do in, in my experience is with art drawing, I call it, I call it drawing a box. Okay, that's how I, I think of it. Is when I'm talking with an artist, I, I say, okay, we, I need you to create this uh, art for this event that's coming in. This event is going to be family-friendly, so I'm drawing part of the box. Family-friendly, I'd like for it to be, you know, it's going to be the summertime, so I want it to feel nice and warm and cool. And maybe we even use, like, graphics in the background of, like, people, right? So I'm, I'm drawing that box and making it more a little fleshed out. Um, I'd like these kind of texts or these kind of fonts with these kind of colors that I'd like to see, right? So now I've completed the box, which is a much more clear picture of what I'm looking for. Does that make sense? I'm framing it for them about what we're looking for. So then the artist can then take that and color every little corner inside the box using their gifts and their abilities to produce what they need to do. Same thing at work. If you had that boss come up to you and draw that box for you, hey, I need you to do this event. It needs to be community-oriented. It needs to be focused on this initiative, this and it. That's a lot more to go on, Right? Well, fortunately for us, when it comes to our work and what we do, we're not left to our own devices as to what does that look like and how do we even accomplish that in this world. We fortunately have the Bible to where God speaks to us through divine inspiration, giving us an idea and framing our understanding of what work is. And how God does that is God frames our understanding of work within his passion or his purpose for our lives and our passions, and how those two connect. In fact, our purpose and passion will reframe our understanding of how we view work. So our purpose and our passions, maybe even better put, his purpose for us and our passions are going to reframe how we view work. So that begs the question, how, Chris, do I know my purpose? How do I know my purpose? Or, Or if you've been church long enough, maybe you've heard this, Chris, how do I know the will of God for my life, right? We can get really churchy about it, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? What is my purpose? What am I here for? And you can go, there are people who will obsess about this. Some people are really chill, and like, they just kind of do whatever they do, and they just kind of figure it along the way. Some people need every little step mapped out along the way, and so I need to know what my mission statement is before I accomplish this, and whatever, whatever it might be. That's cool either way, but the good thing is that the Bible is very clear and very simple about what our purpose is, what God's purpose for our life is. And so as we look into Colossians chapter 1, this is where Paul's writing to a church, uh, we, we see a very clear and simple answer as to what our purpose is, a biblical answer to the, perp- to the question, what is our purpose? So let's take a look. This is Colossians 1, 15. This is the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So the idea of the firstborn is a, is a is a word picture they use a lot in the Bible, where, you know, it's a firstborn son, it's a firstborn child, whatever it might be. There's a preeminence, there's a first, things first kind of nest to it, right? A word we use a lot of times around here, or in your normal life, is it's a priority, right? Firstborn, first. So there's, there's that piece. We'll see that again. Let's continue on to 16. For in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been, this is important, have been created through him and for him. <clears throat> so all things, says it twice in the same verse, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So if, if all things have been created by Jesus, through Jesus and for Jesus, maybe there's something to that with his preeminence, with him coming first. Let's continue on. Since he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is a really important piece here because 
I think a lot of times we'll get around to this idea and think, oh, yeah, Jesus comes first on Sundays. Sunday morning, I'm going to be at church. But then Monday morning, Chris, i got to do my job, man. Like, I've got, I got to get things moving. I'm X years old. I've been here for five years now. I've got to get this ball rolling. So, yeah, Jesus is important. I don't know about being first. I might think he's first, but if I have that thing that comes across my desk where I have to question whether I want to hold my integrity or make steps, make steps forward in this company, i got to weigh the pros and cons. Or maybe when I get home, you know, like, I, dude, I'm tired. I need to rest so I can be at work tomorrow. I, I, I'll get to my kids another time. I'll serve my family another time. I'll put Jesus first here on Sunday. Sunday, he's right here first. But what about Wednesday afternoon or Friday morning or those other times? He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This isn't a pick-and-choose situation. It's not a he's first here but not here. We read other places in the Bible where when we, when we receive salvation and the Holy Spirit comes to us, we are a new creation. It's not a, I'm new on Sunday, but in this other area of my life, I'm not new. And I'm kind of new here. We're a new creation. It's a one whole piece together. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we receive salvation, we are changed. We are new creations. And that requires us to put Jesus first. It finishes up like this in verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn again. Comes back up from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. Or another way said, so that in everything he might come first. How many of us can say that in our lives, myself included? That's a challenge. That's a challenging thing. To be able to say that God comes first in my life. And so in this, we're seeing, to put this in another way, to put it simply, God's purpose for our lives is two things. First, it's to know God because we were made by him, through him, and for him. We were made to know him. We were made to know a God who is living and thriving and wants to have that relationship with us. We are made to know him, but also we're made to make him known. In response to this incredible gift of life, this incredible gift of grace, our response isn't to hold it up for ourselves. Our response is to take that in and then in turn make him known, to give him glory. Through everything in your life, we put him first so that he might get the praise, so that he might get the glory. So we're made, our purpose is to know him and to make him known. So that's the purpose side of the equation. Our passions are a little different. Our passions are the way that God makes each and every one of us unique, right? Isn't that crazy to think about? That you think about every single person that's ever come before, that is here right now and that will ever be, is completely unique. Not just on the science level of we all have different DNA and how the combination, all, all that's made up. That's incredible enough. But the, the passions and the drives and all, all the things that make us unique, an individual person, that's incredible to think that, and that's intentionally made by God, that God's created each of us uniquely with passions for a purpose, to know God and to make him known. And if you don't know what your passions are, if, you're having a hard, if you have a hard time kind of identifying or even expressing it, think of it this way. What are the things that keep you up at night and the things that get you up in the morning? Right, like I've got a couple friends who are runners, and there's two kinds of runners. There's the runners who do it because they're like their doctor told them to, right? They have to. 
And then there's the runners who are like, I'm up at 4.30, there ain't nothing going to stop me, right? I'm doing my 10 miles today, right? And there's, it's a passion for them. Like, they love doing it. You could throw a million things into their work day. I've got a buddy, Scott, who's an incredible athlete, who it's not just about the things he's got to do in his day. He's going to make it a priority to take care of his body and to get that out because he's passionate about it. So passions help to drive us into what we're doing. And <clears throat> our passions and our gifting are actually often linked. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week with Matt. He's going to talk about how that looks and how that fleshes out. So if I'm a little skinny on that today, that's probably why. But our passions absolutely clue us into how God has made us to live out his purpose in the world. Our passions are going to give us hints. They're going to give us a window into what it might look like to live out his purpose. So you might be sitting there thinking, okay, Chris, I'm, I'm tracking with you. You're reading the Bible. You're, you're pointing it out. But I don't need a spiritual answer, man. I need, like, a real answer. Do I take this job or do I take this job? <clears throat> do I go to this school or this school? Do I do this thing or this thing? We want to tie it to something temporal. We want to tie it to something that's, that's right here and now. Which of these two do I need to do? What kind of work do I need to do? I get it. Carry out God's purpose. I've got my passions. That's cool. Which thing do I do for my work? My what? Okay. Well, what if God called you up and said, okay, do that job. Go. Or go to that school. Have fun. That'd be awesome. It'd be great because I have my answer and I can move forward. But if we don't nail down our purpose... If we don't understand that at its core, no matter what I'm doing, it's to know God and make him known, I'm going to float two years, three years, four years, and I'm going to end up at the same place. Now what do I do? Do I do something different? Do I do something this? If we're not being guided by something that anchors us, no matter what we're doing, we're going to just float. So we have to get this idea down that our purpose, no matter what we're doing, is to know God and to make him known. It makes those temporal decisions not simpler, but it makes them easier because we're not just focusing on the what. The what is important. What you're doing is important. Considering that, taking that in, weighing it against your passions, your experience, and what you're excited about. It's not just about the assignment. It's about something more. In fact, I believe that God has something so much more for you than a great job. What if that was true? It's not just about a thing you get paid to do. Like, that's cool. That's great. But it's so much more than that. God has bigger plans for you to know him and to make him known. It's more than just going to a job or having an occupation or having a successful career. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all we're focused on, we're going to miss so many moments in life where our work Expound, or outside of our, our careers and our occupations, can do more to know God and to, uh, to make him known. So, how can I live in God's will to accomplish his purpose with my passions? How, how do I actually do that? What does that look like? Unfortunately, Paul continues on that same passage in, in that same book, and he opens a lot of doors for us to what that what could look like, what the work can look like. What can we do to know God and to make him known? Is it like one or two things or whatever? Fortunately, he opens the door wide 
open. And this is the moment where, like, in, that, in a TV show or a movie where, like, the character says the name of the movie or the TV show, you know what I'm saying? That's about to happen. That's, like, one of my favorite parts. I like calling it out, especially in Lifetime movies. So here it goes. This is Colossians 3.17. It says, and whatever you do, come on, say that together. Say, and whatever you do, that's a lot of stuff. Saying, so, so God, how can I, what can I do to know you and make you known? And whatever you do. That's a lot of options. He continues on. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed. Okay, we're opening up even more. It's in the stuff you say. It's in the stuff that you do. And he continues with this. If that wasn't expansive enough, he says, in word or in deed, do it. What's that word? All. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is why we don't just focus on the one thing, on our job, on our occupation, on the, on the assignment. It's not just about the what. Because in whatever you do, in word or in deed, you do it all essentially to bring glory to God. It's not just about the what. This is how we reframe and redefine our work. It's not just about a job. It's not just about a task. It's not just about an assignment. It's in whatever we do. God wants to release you to accomplish his purpose using your passions in your life. He wants to do that. Does that look like, does every person get to be as fortunate to where their passions and their purpose and everything lines up perfectly in their occupation? No. That would be awesome. But it doesn't happen that way oftentimes. So does that mean you just pack it up and say, well, it's not for me? No, absolutely not. And, and you might even ask yourself, okay, well, does it mean I have to do something that matters? Does it mean, Chris, are you saying, like, I need to quit my job and just go into ministry? Is that what you're saying? I need to go be mad? I need to go be a missionary somewhere else? I need to go do urban men? I don't know. Could, does that, is that what you're telling me? No. <laughs> no. That would be nuts. Like, you might, it's not only that, but... What's stirring in you right now, like your passions, your hopes, your, your dreams, like the things you're excited about, those are good things. Like God has put those in you. God puts those passions in you for a purpose, to know God and to make him known. We don't need everybody to be in ministry. Colossians 3.17 says it's okay for us to be excited about those unique passions that God puts into our life. I mean, you think about, like, think back to when you were a kid, and you'd be sitting around in a circle, especially like a youth group, they did this all the time. I don't know why. They'd be like, oh, what do you want to do with your life? And you'd be sitting there, and this, this one kid's like, oh, I want to be a youth pastor. And you're like, ooh, no, that sounds terrible. And this other guy's like, I want to go to, I had a, one of my best friends in high school. He wanted to be an MD. He wanted to be a doctor and go to Africa. And that's exactly what he's doing in this life. So cool, bro. Not me. That'd be bad. That's not a good thing for me. And you're sitting there, you're just like quiet and you're processing. You're like, I just really like options trading. Like, <laughs> like my dad did it and he's kind of taught me how to do it since I was a kid and I'm really good at math and I really like it. Like I can read the charts and I understand how it works and I get excited about it. And I don't want to be a youth pastor. <laughs> And so it goes around the circle and it gets to you and they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're like, I'm going to pray about it. I'm still praying. I don't know. I don't know. But Colossians 3.17 says that's okay. It's good because we need people to do what they're passionate about. In whatever you do. It doesn't just say in youth ministry, whatever you do. 
just in urban ministry, whatever you do. No, it says whatever you do. We need all kinds of people to reach all people. Do you see that? We need people in Ghana just as much as we need people in Goldman Sachs. You understand that? We need people who are willing to live out the passions that God has put in their heart for God's purpose, to know him and to make him known. It's not just about being a certain kind of person or a certain ministry person. That's the only kind of matter or work that matters or nonprofit work or whatever it might be. Those things are all great. But for God's sakes, go be an options trader to the glory of God. Go be a teacher for the glory of God. Go be a politician, God bless you, for the glory of God. Go do whatever you're doing to the glory of God because we just saw, and whatever you do, there's no qualifications on that. In word or in deed, do it to the glory of God. Now, while it does open a lot of doors, it does close some doors, like if you're laundering money right now, we got to knock that off. (laughs) Like nobody's cooking the books in the name of Jesus. That just doesn't work. (laughs) But outside of that, Whatever you do in word or in deed, do it to the glory of God. Work isn't just about what you do. It's about why you do it. Work isn't about what you do. You could do anything. A teacher, a janitor, an astronaut, I don't know, whatever. In whatever you do, it's about why you're doing it, to know God and to make him known. Your what is important, your what has value, that's important. But your why matters so much more. There's this great quote from a theologian named A.W. Tozer that I think really, really nails this down. He says, it is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. Meaning, what you do doesn't make it doesn't, make, uh, doesn't determine whether it's for God or not for God, or of God or not of God. It's why he does it. He continues on, he says, The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify the Lord God in his heart, and he can therefore do, I love this part, no common act. The translation, no common act, means that whatever you do, you can do it for the glory of God. If you're doing what you're doing to know God and to make him known, then no common act means that you can't do anything that's just ordinary. Everything you do has the opportunity to be a moment for someone to experience the love and life of Jesus. No common act means whatever you do. Whatever you do, you can do it in the name of the Lord Not only that, but when you live your life this way, even the most common, mundane moments can be sacred. Helping talk your child off the ledge of a tantrum or whatever can be an opportunity for them to see Jesus. You spending time with someone at work who just needs a little bit more help could be an opportunity for them to see Jesus. You taking time to help someone, it could be anything, whatever you do. In word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. So this begs the question that you've got to process yourself. Why do you do what you do? And if you're just doing your career, or whatever it might be, just for a paycheck, cool. Providing for your family is a great endeavor. But if that's all you're doing, 
You are missing out on so much that God wants and has for you in your life. You just need to pick your eyes up and see the opportunities around you. If your goal, if your purpose is to know God and to make him known, it changes how you see people. When you see that person at work who's doing whatever, it, it, if they're having a hard time with something, you turn from this annoying coworker that just can't get it right into a person who needs grace, who can experience that from you just because you've chosen to know God and to make him known in whatever you do. And if this feels, this is meant to be challenging, if it feels discouraging, that is not the purpose. That is not the purpose of this. The purpose isn't for you to feel defeated, like what I'm doing has no worth. It has no, like, Chris, I don't like my job. I hate my job. I don't want to do what I'm doing. The fact is that there's value in all work. No matter what you're doing, no matter how difficult it may seem, no matter how degrading your boss makes you feel, there's value in all work. Why? Because it can be done from the perspective of knowing God and making him known. Another pastor said it this way, if you think about it, through the course of history, God has continued to care for, clothe, feed, shelter, support all people through human work, right? Think about that. Like God's provided, and and the, the tangible way that's happened is through human work. So essentially what Martin Luther, one of the early church fathers, said about this is he said, so when you work, when you do these things... When you operate out of this mindset of understanding that there's, there's no sacred, unsacred thing that you can do as a follower of Christ, it's all whatever you do, that everything you do has an opportunity for someone to experience what he called, he says, we become the fingers of God as he works in this world. What a beautiful picture that everything you do, that there is no common act. Everything you do becomes an opportunity for God to work in this world through you. And it's all because we were made by him, through him, and for him, so that our purpose might be to know God and to make him known. We have to challenge our why. We have to challenge our why. Whether it's in your occupation, whether it's in the other work that you do, whether it's a volunteer thing, or whether your family, or any kind of work, it's so much. It's not just the work that you do that you identify with Monday through Friday or whenever you're working. It's everything that we do. Our why is to know God and to make him known. So we can take our passions, the things that God has made us to be unique, the thing that God's put deep inside our hearts, and we can cultivate that in such a way that we try to accomplish God's purpose on earth. No matter what setting we're in, no matter how difficult a job may seem or how frustrating our situation might be, we can choose, this is a choice, we can choose to change our why from being a, I'm just going to keep my head down and pound this out to retirement, I'm just going to get through these next couple weeks, these next couple months, whatever it might be, I'm going to choose to lift my head up and to remind myself why I'm doing this, and that is to know God and to make him known. And then in whatever we do, in word or in deed, We do it all for the glory of God so that there might not be one single thing we could do that's a common act. I hope you you challenge yourself with that this week. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for your word. 
that you do truly make us new creations. God, I pray that you would transform our hearts, understanding of what it looks like to work, of why we do it. God, that you would reinvigorate us to, to, to take a look at why we're doing what we're doing. God, and that we would, we would continue to shift our perspective and our understanding so that we might truly and honestly say our goal in all that we do is to know you and to make you known. God, guide us as we, as we make practical decisions, but even more importantly, God, just open our eyes to the ways you're already working in and around us, that we might become more and more like you, God, through grace and through wisdom, through the reading of your word. God, help us in all that we do to give you glory, God, so that we might know you more and help others to know you. We pray this in your name. Amen.